1: 40k stat center with your hosts val heffelfinger, heffelfinger and the falcon
2: in this episode we continue to wait patiently on the winds of winter and set our sights on Westeros seven the plains of abraham had nothing on the mayhem
3: that came out of war zone montreal
2: the grim reaper separated the wheat from the chaff at harvester of souls and fittingly the eldar came out unscathed and
3: finally Would the new Bonar meta rise to the occasion? Or would performance anxiety leave it a wet noodle? We find out when we cover the Sword and Brush GT, because Val asked to.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Another weekend of Warhammer in the books. Three majors, five GTs, and a whole heap of heartache for the righteous internet warriors that just wanted their howling banshees to be extra sexy.
3: While their disappointment rings off the echo chambers that make up their dark holes of despair and depravity, we get to remind the rest of you that it is a wicked time to be alive. After a short break of only dealing with three to five events per week, we're back into the full grind
2: and trying to stay afloat in a veritable ocean of 40k news and previews. This week we'll be taking a deep dive into Games of Westeros 7s, Warzone Montreal, Harvester of Souls, and the 40k classic at the Sword and Brush with some special mentions to the London Wargamers Guild Open, Summer Slaughter, Battlezone Ursa, Power 9 Games, and Twisted Onslaught.
3: But before we do all that, it is always our great pleasure to shout out our friends, our Romans, and our countrymen, and the people that make our show work the way it does.
2: Of course, first and foremost, we recommend you check out the rest of the Frontline Gaming Network, where this week you can hear the dulcet tones of one Pablo, the Rhino Martinez, along with Goatboy, myself, and Archon Scarry. Uh, on this week's episode of Chapter Tactics, they cover weird judge calls, handling yourself if you happen to be on stream, and beauty tips. Chapter Tactics are older, less organized, but far more handsome, brother.
3: You can also catch up uh, with our younger, nerdier sister podcast, The Art of War, with John Damaris and Nick Natavati. This week's episode features a riveting interview with the aforementioned Skari, as it gives you the lowdown on making Drukhari work in the 41st millennium.
2: And you can also tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. PST for the uncut signals from the front line where the captain of the ship, Reese Beard Richard Robbins, and his first mate, the Salty Banana, round up all the current ITC standings and the news and previews Games Workshop has had to offer. And of course, if you miss the live taping, you can also tune into them. It's released every Friday.
3: And finally, none of what we would do would be possible without the help of Best Coast pairings. Go get yourselves that app, pay them that money they're due, and enjoy the thrill of following along with the lists and the results from any event, big or small, around the
4: world.
2: Keep in mind, everyone, that we got a big one on the horizon next week. The London Grand Tournament is coming up, and it is sure to be one hell of a hoot, nanny. Last year's event was rife with drama, both real and manufactured, and we can't wait to see how they turn it all around. No matter how it pans out. You can be sure that stats center will have all the news and results for you next week we may even talk about attack x but don't hold us to that
3: let's get one of them bumps
1: tournament news is made possible by bestcoastpairings.com download the bcpto app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month to support the team and unlock additional features. Available for iOS and Android. Bestcoastpairings.com. Competitive events, easier.
3: Ah, Vastaras, the cucumber city. Home of hockey great Nicholas Lidstrom, power medals star, and absolutely nothing to do with Game of Thrones. Absolutely nothing. No wildlings, no Dothraki, as far as we can tell, no incestuous relationships in their government, and absolutely no strong female protagonists with wildly skewed story arcs while they ride dragons. Trust me, we're disappointed too.
2: What Vastorast does have is one of the most prolific gaming clubs in 40k regularly spitting out itc gts and majors featuring sweden's finest we reached to tobias lofgren for a breakdown of the event special thanks to 40k stats correspondent johan barinder for getting us in touch we're sorry we said your event was small and insignificant last week we're sure it had a big heart
4: This was Games of Westeros number 7, but it is actually number 11 in the line of uh, our two-day, five-round ITC events that we've been hosting since, uh, I think it's early 2016. Uh, It was 104 players in attendance for 40k, playing five games of uh, ITC champions missions over two days. Uh, We're a group of friends who started playing the ITC missions and format at home and wanted to play more competitive uh, but no other tournaments in Sweden play the ITC missions. So we basically just uh, started to host our own own tournament back in 2016 and have been uh, growing ever since. Uh, I think we were the first uh, pure ITC tournament in, I, I probably did not say Sweden, but uh, might be the first one in Europe also. And I think Reese mentioned uh, that we are... Uh, One of the longest-running ITC tournaments uh, in the world, I guess. Uh, Now, for the first time, we reached over 100 participants, and even if that was a milestone we've been working towards, uh, we still look to improve and expand in the future. Uh, Our next goals are uh, getting a more international attendance for our tournaments and maybe, uh, maybe get our stream up. Uh, so what was the meta like? There's usually a lot of knights in our meta and a lot of uh, Imperium soup. Uh, last time we had a large showing of turnit players, but they were basically all gone now um, There was a lot of Kaledius grav tanks, which is probably because the beta rule uh, update came uh, came after our cut-off date for new rules and FAQs and uh, we expected and uh, got a lot of Gene uh, stiller cut list. I guess I guess that's where all the net player went. Uh, was it what you expected? Uh, yeah, we were a little surprised by the amount of Admec, which is usually quite rare uh, in mid Sweden, and uh, the almost complete lack of Eldari players, who we usually see a lot more of. Moral. I think we only had like two or three or th- two or three of them. Um, what went well? The event ran smoothly. Uh, at Games of Westeros we also host uh, tournaments in Wormahordes, the Ninth Age, Age of Sigmar and Guild Ball, so uh, it was a 280 player attendance throughout all of the game systems and despite we broke our visitor's record by almost 100 people, it all went uh, quite well. Uh, what would you like to improve on? So you can always improve and one of the big, big things we need to work uh, on uh, for the future is probably the food at the venue. We used to sell tacos but the workload started to get uh, high on our staff and uh, with the big attendance increase we decided that, that we couldn't uh, provide that service uh, anymore with the, with the expected quality that, uh, that we would like but uh, fortunately we're uh, we're located in central uh, Westeros in Sweden so it's just a quick walk to get down to the central area with, uh, where all the restaurants and cafes are uh, but in the future we will probably try to get some kind of food trucks or something to park outside our venue. So will there be more? Uh, we usually host three major 40k ITC tournaments a year and our next one is due 7th and 8th of December, uh, and the information will soon be available on our Facebook page, which, which is uh, Westeros Board Gaming 40k or just Westeros Board Gaming. Uh, you streamed the game for the first time, how did that go? Yeah, we tried streaming the final for the first time ever. It went all right, but we have a lot to work on. Uh, two of our staff members had to fill in as commentators, and despite uh, they had a minimal time to pre- to prepare and no previous experiences, they did a fantastic job, and we hope to be able to offer more streams in the future. Uh, but this time we weren't really prepared with set uh, up at the event, and didn't really have any time to spread the word and market it to the potential viewers out there. Uh, but next time we have probably figured uh, all that out.
3: Games of Westeros 7 would end up having three undefeated players. Eric Resemo, running Monofaction Adeptus Custodes. Johan Norman, running Monofaction Space Marines. And the eventual winner, Oscar Lemming, running Drukhari, backed by Harlequins. Let's take a quick look at their
2: lists. In third place, we had Eric Rissemo, uh running uh, some Custodes in an Imperium list. In his first detachment, it was a spearhead. We have Captain General Trehan Valoris and a shield captain on a Don Eagle jet bike. And then uh, he had a uh, unit of custodian guard with the guardian spears. In the elite slot, we had a Vexillus Praetor with an axe and, of course, the Vexilla Magnifica. And he was the warlord. Under fast attack, we had a palace grav tank with the, the twin Arachnus blaze cannon and another one of the exact same thing. In heavy support, we had the, by the way, this is the old version. Uh, the Heavy Sport Caladius Grav Tank, um, and he had three of those, and then he had two Telemann Heavy Dreadnoughts uh, rocking the uh, Storm Cannon and Spiculus Bolt Launcher, which is a funny word.
3: It really is, but all of them have them. Um, in second place, we had Johan Norman, who was running uh, Space Marines using the new codex. Um, He had a ultramarine successor battalion and he chose the master artisans and the stealthy uh, traits for them rather than taking the actual ultramarine uh, tactic. He, for his HQs in the battalion, he had a captain on bike with power fist and storm bolter. And then he had a chaplain with a jump pack and storm bolter. Um, in his troop slots, he had three intercessor squads, five man each with the bolt rifles and auxiliary grenade launchers. Um, each sergeant had a chainsword. He then had a Space Marines Brigade, um, also Ultramarine's Successor with Master Artisans and Stealthy. Um, in that, he had a regular old Librarian with a Force Stave, a Librarian in Phobos Armor, and a Primaris Lieutenant. Uh, all of them, uh, no specialties in there. Um, he then had three, units, uh, three more units of uh, Intercessor squads, all five mans, all with auxiliary grenade launchers, and then three Scout squads with bolt guns, one of which had... Uh, Sorry, two with uh, bolt guns, one with sniper rifles, um, and one of the bolt gun squads came with a heavy bolter. In the elite slots, he had a squad of three aggressors, an apothecary, a primaris ancient, and a relic contempter dreadnought with two sea beam cannons. He had uh, two attack bike squads in his fast attack slots with heavy bolters and an inceptor squad with assault bolters. And to round it off in his uh, heavy support, uh, he had three units of eliminators, uh, all of them rocking two uh, sniper rifles and an instigator bolt carbine.
2: And so, at the top of this heap of undefeated player is a man who follows no other men, Oscar Lemming, rocking the Drakari and Harlequins. He had a... Air Wing Detachment with three Razor Wing Jet Fighters with Disintegrators. Followed by a Battalion Detachment of those rascally Homunculus covens. In it, we had an HQ, which would be the Homunculus himself and Urian Rackarth. Under the Troop Section, we had three units of five Racks. In the Elites, we had two units of Grotesques. We're looking at hmm, seven of them each. And then in the heavy support section, we had a unit of two Talos uh, with the Haywire Blasters. Then he routed it all out with a lovely Vanguard attachment of Harlequins. Uh, these guys were the Soaring Spite, Serpent's Blood variety. The HQ was a Shadow Seer. The Elites were two Death Jesters and a Solitaire. And under Fast Attack, we had one of those units of Skyweavers that we're seeing so much out there. Six of them.
3: Yeah, it's a pretty tasty list. Actually, all three of these lists are pretty interesting. I'm uh, particularly um, into this space marine list because it is a little bit different than what we've kind of uh, started to see it already in the two weeks that uh, space marines have been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, going with a custom chapter um, is something that you haven't really seen yet, at least not very successful. Um, taking master artisans for that uh, free reroll. Per unit, and then that uh, stealthy with the to get the minus one to hit over twelve inches. It's just a it's a very very interesting list. I I would really love to see how he plays it because it doesn't look like it has a ton of damage. It's just a lot of bodies, um, and I guess they're pretty resilient. So
2: yeah, and lots of tiny little units taking maximum advantage of uh, of that reroll. So yeah, and yeah, they're also for a sure. pain in the ass because uh, they're minus one to hit. Why not? Yeah,
3: and I mean Oscar Lemming's is very typical what we're seeing of late out of, like, the Drukari Eldari uh, setup. I mean, Razor Wing Jet Fighters, if you know you're going to be facing a lot of Marines, those things kill Marines super fast. Grotesques are amazing. Talos are great. And uh, the Skyweavers are literally everywhere now. Yeah. Um. With the with the big rise in vehicles, they just they do so much work, uh, the mortal wound output. Um, Seeing them back on the table is pretty nice.
2: Yeah, they kind of vanished, especially after... Um... Doom no longer worked with them. And now I think people realize that, hey, the math's still pretty good.
3: Yep, math still works out. And I mean, that three plus invuln, uh, you can't go wrong with it.
2: Absolutely not. All right, so enough banter from us. Oscar would wind up winning a nail-biter of a finale against uh, Jonathan Holmes, Imperial Knights, the same list that won the MMF Summer Slam GT just last week. Oscar was awesome enough to give us the goods on his list and how the event went for him.
5: I had a really great time at the event. I had uh, fa- five great matches uh, against really nice opponents uh, with good skill. And I'm uh, really proud that I made it to the uh, to the five rounds with the four of uh, four if not the four strongest players at the event. So uh, I I'm a little biased. I'm one of the tournament organizers. Uh, I was fortunate to play this time because um yeah, it was my turn, I guess, I held the last one in uh, uh, last winter. So the, the venue was uh, really great, we had a kiosk with everything you need, uh, the train was great. Um, yeah, what more can you ask for, really? We did focus on uh, this year to get a lot of great trains, so we ordered from uh, TT Combat their uh, London Grand Tournament package which was really appreciated by the players. We got a lot of great feedback afterwards. Also, we did manage to build our own copies of the LGT bundle, so we had about 30 tables with ultra-competitive terrain, and as well as our own terrain that we had before, that was also good. So, all in all, the train was a real success this time. I know I wanted to play Eldari for the event and I wasn't really comfortable playing the uh, Flyer Spam List which I have been playing all um, the spring and the beginning of the summer. I knew I wanted something else for the event because there was just so much, um, well, um, anti-Flyer tech, so uh, I was looking for something else. So I was listening to this podcast, maybe you've heard it, 40k Center, and this guy, Mark uh, he mentioned his list that he won an uh, event in the UK with so a shout out to him, uh, the list idea is his and I just uh, basically copied it and changed it up a bit uh, You can hear, uh, you probably can hear what he has to say about it in uh, uh, recent podcasts So I uh, fell in love with the idea of uh, Grotesque uh, and the Talos uh, core, and with the Harley Quinn bikes and characters uh, for uh, just um, toolbox, um, they can do pretty much anything you want them to. I think. I also knew that the train was going to be what you guys in the U- uh, sorry the U.S. Uh, called the Nova Ls, and uh, there were going to be a lot of them. So I knew I wanted. Uh, something with a strong uh, presence in the middle, uh, so I knew, knew if I can t- take the middle objective or the two middle objectives and uh, hold them, I could uh, score a lot of uh, uh, hold more and just uh, threaten to uh, charge to uh, to the other objectives. So the list for you guys who don't know, it's uh, three racing jet fighters, uh, Cabal, Cabal of the Black Heart, of course. So you can have the Vect. And then it's the prophets of flesh. You have the homunculi and the uh, Urian special character. Uh, three units of Rax, and then two units of Seven grotesques, and a unit of two Talos. And then I have a soaring spite, uh, the a light one, Vanguard. So you have a shadow for the warp <coughs> time, wartime uh, warp time for on seven to cost, as well as you have. Uh, uh, two Deathjesters, the sniper dudes, and uh, one Solitaire, which is basically a uh, Eldar Aversor. And then I have the six-man uh, strong unit of uh, L- uh, Harlequin jet bikes. My list, uh, the changes I made to the list from uh, ARCs is that I included the Solitaire instead of the third Deathjester, and I switched out the grotesque squad to two Taloses uh the Talisus uh didn't do that much but i was really happy with the switch out to the Solitaire he's a beast uh with the relic and he just um people are just not aware what he can do so um he was a beast so there's no real mvp except uh Solitaire was a beast at some uh, points in the games i think the um, the strong uh, the strong point in the list is that it just works really great together you just Hold the middle, don't die, and the Harlequin Queens uh, can do whatever they want. The, the quartet of the um, characters are really good, just jumping around, smiting, shooting with the uh, shadowseer Staves and the Snipers. And the Salter bouncing around everywhere. So, um, yeah. And of course, the the, um, uh, the Flyers are great for just picking out, um, to taking Recon of course, and picking out the little uh, squads of Guardsmen and whatnot. So, my uh, hardest match was for sure the finals, which was against uh, Jonathan Holm with, with his uh, four, four uh, Zombie Knights, nice Knights, and just the Rusty 17. Uh, just a brutal list. Um, yeah, it will punish you <laughs> for uh, six turns for sure. So, I got the first turn. Uh, the mission was mission number five, and I know it was a bad mission for me. It's only four. Um, objectives. I wanted to have um, five or three at least so I can hold more all the time because I knew he was going, going to kill more. Uh, but the fight basically goes down to... Um, he, he will shoot me for six turns and uh, I can see if I can weather the storm and hold more and get some kills here and there and just um, yeah, pick good secondaries which was uh, Titan Slayer of course and the Recon. Uh, and uh, Kingslayer on his uh, Warlord, so I was uh, able to pick that off. And like I said, it was just six turns of brutal shooting and me standing on objectives. Some uh, key moments in that match was um, Jonathan not getting killed on the first turn. Uh, he whiffed on the top hatch rockets on the knights to kill uh, Ragsguard in my backfield. Uh, as well as putting the Talos um, squad of two down to one wound uh, with a reroll on the 4 plus the invul on my part. As well as uh, when one, uh, the Warlord Zombie Knight was uh, about to stand up again with the strat again, Uh he rolled a six on the explode. Command rerolled it and it was a six again. So I had Vect so I sh- probably would have just vected the the, um, the stratagum to stand up again, but that was four uh, points of... Uh, co- four command posts that I didn't have to uh, use, so that was uh, really helpful. Also, I p- thre- played uh, really janky with my uh, lightning reflexes and didn't use it uh, at all. He was trying to bait it out um, uh, all the time, but uh, you just have to Uh, Do the math in your head and uh, just hold on to it as long as you can. And it really screws up your target priority for your opponent. I also would like to mention my game 4 against a really strong uh, gene delicult player, Menelik Eriksson, who is just 14 years old. Yeah, so... Uh, This kid he has like uh, eight matches with his his cult and he still goes uh, toe-to-toe with the best players in Sweden. Uh, He's going to be terrifying in the future. We had a really tight game and he did a really, really nice play turn um, two. um, Move blocking two of my flyers. Actually move blocking one and um, killing the other one. And I was just... Uh, out, so I could save the third one. Um, uh, I did forget the Vexator Mask one time, was, which was um, not, um, not key in that match, but um, I h- held my cool and could just um, come back with the, the pure um, toughness of the list, and as well as uh, uh, I can h- hold the mi- middle objective for um, holding more uh, f- all six rounds.
3: There is one other story we feel we need to highlight out of this event, that of one Menelik Ericsson. Menelik is currently 145 in the ITC standings with four first-place finishes at local Swedish RTTs using Demons, a 23rd finish at the last Westeros Major, and a fourth-place finish at Westeros 7. While those numbers may not sound super significant in our world of competitive 40K, it should also be noted that Menelik is only 14 years old. And this time we mean it. Not like those other times where we made fun of Richard Siegler for looking like he was a teenager until his 5 o'clock shadow grows in. This kid is the real deal.
2: Manolik's only lost at this latest major was to the eventual winner of the event, Oscar. And while this might be a bit ageist, we feel he deserves this week's Overachieving Underachiever Award. Body the that center. overachieving underachiever
4: award of the week.
3: Normally we'd take a minute to go over the list and make poor observations about it, but uh, Menelik was extremely excited about being on the show and sent us a good 12 to 15 minutes about how it actually works. Let's cut to those clips from the Wunderkind himself.
6: So, to be honest, I did not really make my own list. Uh, I actually uh, sort of finished listed this uh, of another guy in Sweden who has been winning all of the tournaments here, uh, who's an ETC e- player and is... Uh, probably the best player in Sweden, um, if not one of the best, uh, who is amazing. So, uh, the list is. Uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, there's a battalion of Turnit, Kraken. Uh, uh, I'm playing as Kraken. Uh, with Swarm Lord, a Brood Lord, uh, two 18 man gene stealer squads, and three Ripper Swarms. Uh, that's it. Uh, nothing more nothing less then we have a battalion which is uh, both uh, which is mixed uh, of Genesly Cult and is mostly there for just CPs so it's uh, a Magus with um, a familiar who is foreign emperor then there is a Primus oh, no, a Patriarch who is pauper Princess and who also has a familiar then 3 units of Brothers. one of the units have 2 extra Brothers in it, because extra points. Um, and then a Calomorph, who is also for our member. Uh, then, Lost battalion, uh, so we have 3, uh, which is my largest uh, detachment, probably. Um, has an Acolyte Icon Ward, uh, a Primus, uh, 3 20-man units of Acolytes. Every single Acolyte has a Hand Flamer, and in one of the units I have 4 rock saws as well. Then we also have a Clamavus and a Nexus in that uh, detachment. Uh, that detachment is Brood Surge Deliverance from Vigilus, and is uh, also Popper Princess. Now Popper Princess you might not recognize since it's very unusual, and most players play either Forum Emperor or Twisted Helix is usually what we see. Uh, there is Creed, which is the chapter tactic, isn't very special, uh, or that interesting maybe, but it's rerolls uh, hit rolls. Uh, you can basically get the same thing from a, a banner paying 10 points, uh, free jack unit. The uh, difference is that it's all hit rolls, so uh, even if I don't have my plus one to hit, I can reroll twos, and not only ones, and uh, I ignore modifiers basically, which is kind of nice. And I save ten points per unit, so thirty points when I just doing that. Uh, I also get a water trait on my patriarch which hap- uh, which makes him of unkillable if I have guys to close to him uh on two ups uh my questioning loyalty goes off instead of on four ups uh which I think is pretty fun it's not it's pretty good uh, now the biggest reason i'd say you play them is for the relic for my Primus uh which is the uh, I can't remember the name, but the relic for Poppy Princess, which makes everyone within six immune to morale. So every Genius killed player need this would probably agree with us. Uh, would agree with me that you need probably two, at least two, uh, fearless bubbles. So I'm saving 115 points or something like that um, on having. Uh, when you yes, stop buying another patriarch, which I need if I wanted the second fearless bubble. Uh and it also does so that every model within six, on a fork when it dies, it can either shoot or fight with one attack. Which is it's just extra, uh mostly I've noticed. I thought it was really good from the beginning, but I've noticed it's not that good. Um and I also, also give him a, a wall trade which is plus 3 to his ranges, so it's, he's like really good. Uh, so, what I do usually is I just hide everything first turn. Uh, if uh, I get to go first, I might throw in some gene stealers to get some kill, uh, maybe then run away or lock myself to make sure that they're safe. I never like just throw away units, that's the biggest part. You need to. Everything dies so quickly, you have to make sure that you're always safe. Um, I'd say that that's, and like, yeah, everything hits like a truck, it's, it just does damage all the time in close combat. Acolytes are so strong. Um, I'd say that those are the key components and strategies, uh, just, I'm fast. Now, oh, okay, so the gene steel part, uh, the whole battalion of turnids is probably unusual, uh, I think they're great, they give me first uh, turn 1 presence, they're, otherwise in some matches they're a great counter charge, they can do a lot, like, it, it's definitely re- really good. Um, and Swanners isn't that hard to hide actually, he's quite a small when you think about it, when you actually put him on the table. My most unique matchup would be my first matchup, where I played against 200 plus Gaunt, which was really weird. Uh, though it was not definitely not my hardest matchup since I have 60 hand flamers and everything hits really hard while his doesn't so I, what I did there is just locked everything and then uh, he never got to shoot with any of his turn guns and when he charged me I just hit part of that. Uh that was probably my most unique matchup my hardest matchup was the one matchup I lost in the 4th game to the one who actually won the event uh, he let's see here uh, he played some dark elder with some harlequins. It was mostly like prophets of. Flesh. He had obviously had vect and then prophets of flesh, a bunch of a uh, and like a, like fourteen grotesques. So that's and then some harlequins. Um, uh, so in that matchup, I think I if I don't second, I think I'd win that. Win, win that matchup. But he forced me to go first, and. So what happened was that uh, it was a, it was the fourth mission. Um, it's like five objectives and you need to pull the ones that you placed. So I start and I take the bonus directly because he didn't place anything there. He was mostly centered in the middle, a bit more to the other side. Uh, so I did that and then second turn he like kind of flies his uh, or in his turn... He comes with his flyers and like try to shoot my genius away, so he gets hold more, or like we hold the same but uh, I survive with three of them and my Lord is in synapse range so they're fine um, s- uh, so I get hold more that turn and then on my second turn I kill uh, two of the planes, I do a big misplay here, I put a unit so the third plane will also die when it moves but i then like forgot about it and then like pushed it away a bit and then he barely came in and that was that i couldn't kill that plane again um i also had to like one plane was on another like angled differently so i placed a bunch of the flamers there and then the rest of the flamers to block the other planes uh and i like smited it a bunch like three or four times and then i uh for shot the flamers and it died and then I with my Swarm Lord's ability I moved him into the spot so he can in one of his planes into his other where the other plane was. Um otherwise I think I like never committed enough to actually do anything. Um he just kind of stood in the middle and like him going second was so good because uh I could never get hold more. Uh oh, more is still hard for me to get. Maybe I could have gotten it like maybe once. If I got in second and knew what I had to do. But... Holding more, like... there's a bunch of times where I just, like, had three. And then he'd just take over one of them. And then he'd get hold more. I could have done the exact same thing if I'd gone second. Going second in the see is just so good. Especially in, like, these matchups. Um... But there's definitely more things that I could have done better. I really... I think committed too much also in one spot. And I was too far away from everything else. I was actually... Like being in the middle and taking objectives, Uh, so yeah, like he played really well. Uh, I could have played better. Uh, I guess we both could have, but I could have played even better. Uh, Five. If your hardest matchup was not the top table game, tell us about the finals. Um, Okay, so I guess top table game would be me and him because we were both. I was in first place. he, He was in second place during the fourth fourth round. Uh, and yeah, so in the finals, uh, which I, I wasn't in the finals, I but in my final game, which was uh, my second hardest game, I was playing against an ETC player who has beaten me multiple times and he's really good, but it was just a ma- like mismatch with our list. He ran Castellan, Brigade of Guard and, like, the new Space Marine Smash Captains and stuff like that, and, like, I for- this was the first time I got, actually got to decide who was gonna go first or second. I forced him to go first. He didn't do anything first turn. I like did everything first. Like <laughs> I killed, or like, I, and I constantly just got hold more, or like I, I constantly just got killed more. And he got like zero points the first like two or three turns. And then I, after that, he may, might have gotten like some points. But then I just like from killing stuff and I started to kill stuff when I actually the deep strike in stuff. And I, but I got even more than because I started getting hold more in the bonus, so, like, he couldn't do anything, because I would usually lock, like, he got to shoot with his castellan maybe once the game, and that was when I was kind of unlucky with Swarmlord, killing, like, five scouts, or whatever, five or four scouts, and locking myself with Swarmlord into combat, so he couldn't shoot Swarmlord, but no, then he couldn't, that, that, that was, like, it, like, I, he couldn't do anything, I, yes, made sure he, nothing got to shoot, and when he came into combat, he'd attack me, some of my stuff would die, and then I'd charge back, and I'd hit even harder, which is usually the case with Jeanser Cult, uh, so list-wise, that was a big uh, mismatch for him. Um, but he, he was definitely the best player, uh, one of the best players during the weekend, uh I had a really hard time against him instead or i was I was definitely nervous because I knew he was good um sixth and final what is uh, what it what is it like being the youngest player in the tournament circuit um that's a very interesting question um uh, uh first of all, like in the beginning it was kind of interesting i guess um uh, was weird being the youngest like like easily. Like, a lot younger. Uh, but it was, like... I didn't really think about it too much, I guess. Um, and I still don't. It's... It was kind of fun when I started actually getting good at the game. And... Um, yeah, like, they... Would, um, like... <laughs> they'd be surprised that I, I would win. And things like that. That I was always fun. They're like I could, like, tell that in the beginning... Like, in some cases, they'd, like play against like greed a lot more against me and like play like worst because they think it would be a hard match because I'm 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 a kid. Uh well back then at least. Uh and they uh but and I had win. So I always thought that was fun. But <laughs> seeing the reaction uh when I locked myself into combat and things like that. But like and now it's like I don't really even notice it. I've been playing now nearly two years in tournaments uh, nearly. So people, most of pe- most of people there n- know me and know that I play okay at least, or I'm okay at least okay at the game. So, uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really think about it that much. Like, it's definitely noticeable, but, mm, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I never really thought about it. Uh... I'll have, I'll think about it, though. I think that was it, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, I guess. Um, I hope you have me on the show. Uh, I'm out.
2: For those that are wondering, Menelik was referring to Swedish ETC player Carl Aberson when he talked about whose list he drew inspiration from. Thanks, Menelik. We hope you break the mold. Don't become angry, old, and jaded. The TFG Radio and Salt Mine podcasts aren't accepting any new hosts. Tournament news. This is the best general, Adam Abramowitz, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center, your number one source for 40K news and tournament information.
3: Je souhaite nous déménageant à Montréal, la plus belle ville d'Amérique du Nord, où même les plus simples des gens peuvent trouver le bonheur. Même les joueurs des anges noirs qui ne comprennent pas que leur primarque est probablement la plus terrible dans l'histoire de Warhammer.
2: Je suis désolé, je ne parle pas en français, Falcon. But I can only assume it was a well-thought-out, rational introduction to Warzone Montreal, the 60-player ITC major event that took place over the weekend in Quebec's largest city and nothing to do with the Dark Angels.
3: Sure thing, Val. And what an event it was. Warzone Montreal was just a GT last year that was perhaps most notable for not featuring any Imperial Knights, despite occurring deep in the darkest of knight and metas. The province of Quebec had actually featured a lengthy lull in competitive Warhammer play, and only in the last two years or so had those freaky Frenchmen started to run their own events again. This year, it appears they managed to shake off all that ring rust and finally catch up with the meta, and then some in an event featuring profile players like Steve, you know the nickname,
2: Pamprine. Steve, treat him mean, keep him keen, Pampreen.
3: Chris, Captain Canada Haynes, and Eric, the walking Shed Marco. T.O. Luc Le Bibliothèque, Cohen, is here with the details.
7: So officially, it's uh, our second year at Warzone Mor- Montreal. Since last year, we did a small GT of 35 p- uh, person. But uh, we are in association with uh, La Foire du Jeu de Longueuil, who has been running for seven years now. And yeah, that was our first year as a big convention, and I'm pretty happy about it. It's really awesome. We begin to think about doing something like that when uh, the Chaos Ludic and the Norton Defender sees their, their activities. Since then, nothing has happened in Quebec, uh, in the province of Quebec, and we were forced to go to Ontario to uh, to place bigger, bigger tournaments. So only the only thing that was happening in Quebec was uh, small R T T, and uh, that's about it. So a lot of people asked me uh, to try to do something about it, and we thought a long time and build some some of more competitive player uh, inside our own shop uh, trying to know if uh, we were able to run something like that so last year it was mostly people from uh, Quebec and Nova Scotia that were uh, at our GT this year we had a huge amount of uh, people from Ontario and some American player that uh, came. Uh, we had some player like Chris Haynes, uh, uh Pampering who just won the the, the, the tournament. Uh, we had some of our own guy like one, all almost all of the people from uh, One Punch that came. Uh, and uh, all the people that came from Nova Scotia last year came back with uh, some more friends, and we plan to go crash their party uh, next year also at the, end of, uh, at the end of summer. So we'll see.
2: Warzone Montreal would culminate in the least Orcish war boss, Stephen Pamperin, going toe-to-toe with Ben the Haligonian Peltzer. Why don't we have a little peruse through their lists?
3: Sure thing. So Ben Peltzer. He was running in Craftworld's uh, Spearhead Detachment, Ally Talk variety, with an Otark Skyrunner with that Banshee Mask, that Laser Lance R- Reaper Launcher, and Dem twin Shuriken Catapults. He had five Rangers, six Correction, seven Dark Reapers, and two Nightspinners. He then had an Airwing Detachment uh, with two Crimson Hunter Exarchs and a Hemlock Wraithfighter, also Ally Talk. And he rounded it all out with an Althway Battalion with Eldrad, a Warlock, two units of five Dire Avengers, a big block at 20 Guardian Defenders with two Shuriken ca- Cannon platforms, and two Wave Serpents.
2: And coming up into Stephen Pampreen's list, we've got a Battalion Detachment of Death Skulls featuring the Dreadwire Specialist Detachment. Of course, a Big Mech with a custom Force Field and custom Mega Blaster, a Big Mech with the Shock Attack Gun, and of course... The relic, I'm sure, although it's not on the list. Three units of ten Gretchen. And then another battalion detachment. This one is, of course, Badman's. And it features a war boss with a custom shooter and power claw. A weird boy. Three three units of Gretchen. One of them, though, 27 of them. In the elite slot, we are rocking the bus a bus. And by that, I mean 15 tank buses with two bomb squigs. Not six. Not four. Two bomb squigs and a heavy support battle wagon with a hard case and Def Rola. Finally, we have a battalion detachment of (gasps) freebooters. Well, Captain Badruck leading this one with a weird boy, 30 Gretchen of freebooters, another 30 Gretchen of freebooters, and 20 more freebooter Gretchen, and a heavy support selection featuring 10 flash kits with two ammo runs and Five mech guns and another unit of five mech guns, and they are all of the Smash a variety. That's ten Smash a guns. And it looks like the points are added up correctly.
3: Hopefully. Um he also brought a herd in that little uh fiasco of a list that he's got running. Where? Um Oh it's right at the very top, my son. Right at the very top.
2: Uh, no, missed it. Oh it stupid to the rut best rut of us. herd. Uh oh, it's because of Battle Scribe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Battle Scribe's a bunch Yeah, it was of a Death losers. Skull's herd yeah, that's weird. Why would they?
3: It's just how they do it, man.
2: Yeah, no, it I doesn't it. take up a slot yeah, when you do whatever. You know, and it throws off us humble and simple-minded podcasters. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, obviously uh, Pamps is gonna talk a little bit about this, but as an orc player, I am liking the direction of this list. Happy to see battle wagon, a battle wagon being used on the table. I know Pamps, he'll talk about it, but he got a little taste for the grenade strat with tank busters, which allows ten of them to chuck a grenade. Um, and I think he's uh, he's basically chasing that dragon and trying to get that battle wagon to dump those busts wherever he damn well pleases.
3: Sure thing. And Ben's been having a lot of success with this uh, Eldari list. I mean, it's it's not exactly what you would call a cookie cutter. It's got a lot of the good stuff that everybody's been running. It's He's just kind of put it together in a slightly different way. Uh, he's got the four Eldar Flyers, or sorry, three Eldar Flyers. Um got that big Guardian Bomb, the Wave Serpents, Night Spinners. Really, the only thing that he's doing that m- most other Eldar players aren't is uh, taking that block of six uh, Dark Reapers and Eldrad, because Eldrad's kind of disappeared from the meta since uh, the death of the, the Doom-Jinx combo for Drukari and Harlequins we-, we talked about earlier. Um, it's just usually not something you see. Um, I know Daniel Olivas also having a lot of success with the, the Dark Reapers, but still you- a slightly uh, unique variant on the normal uh, Craftworlds list.
2: Heck yeah. Well, Ben is a relative newbie to the 40K competitive scene, though he did have an excellent showing at the two Maritime GTs so far this year, so it is not surprising that he would go the distance at Warzone. Let's hear what he had to say about the experience.
8: Just the overall experience at the event was fantastic. Uh, Luke and the team at Cicada and all the merchants and everybody, they put on a really good show. Everybody works really hard to make that... uh, the fantastic event that it is um despite being a competitive tournament and you know seeing some really nasty lists in there it's always a sense of kind of lighthearted fun and it's it's really a major in a tournament than just an event generally that I'd recommend for everybody I mean we drove close to 14 hours just to be there and you know it uh, it's worth every second of it I can't wait to go back again next year they seem to keep growing and keep doing things better than the year before, so I'm really excited to see what the future brings. So when I was designing this list, I'd say one thing that uh, is special about it is it's really hard to pick secondaries against. The way it's made, you can't really max out all four on any kill objectives, except for maybe Kingslayer, but both my characters being really resilient, you know, my Altar getting back up, Eldrad... Having a three-up and vulnerable save and never really exposing himself makes it uh makes it tricky for people to select secondaries. My MVP for the weekend was definitely Eldrad. Uh he performed really consistently almost every single game. Uh three of the games that I played, he would do 12 mortal wounds in a psychic phase. I think it was game three where uh He actually erased an entire unit of Tomb Blades in one psychic phase, which uh, I think really helped swing the game in my favor on that one. Some highlights from the top table match. Well, first was actually getting to play against, you know, Steve Pampreen. He's a really well-known 40k player. And me being relatively new to the competitive scene, it was just quite an experience in itself to play him. Uh, it was a really fun and friendly game, and even though I think I had some uh, really rookie mistakes and some sloppy play there in hindsight, uh, it ended up being really fun. Uh, the turning point, I would say, was in the de- even in the deployment phase when I made the decision to Deep Strike My Guardians. I really feel that that ended up hurting me a lot. We all make mistakes, Ben.
3: It's if you learn from them that counts. For example, just recently I made some deep-fried chili balls, and the aftershocks that went through my body were felt for days. Knowing then what I know now, would I make them again? Yes, I would. Uh, 100%. They tasted amazing. But would I eat six? Yeah, still would do that, too. It it was, you know, uh, I have regrets, but uh, eating those was not one of them. They were just, oh, they're so good
2: that's just super once again the falcon delivers the words of wisdom we need now as you may have guessed from the clips ben was unable to stand up to deboss with nos in fact he never had him he never even had his car and ended up getting sucked under by the green tide after taking a marital break from wargaming earlier this year pamps has been on a bit of a tear hitting up events on both sides of the border and reaching for that brass ring as one of the premier mad docs of 40k, he's made a lot of modifications to his list in that time, testing out def coptas, flash kits, tank Busters, and even straight up just playing with an extra 60-some-odd points in his army in an effort to be the best. Steve was kind enough to give us a rundown on the evolution of his list and the highlights from Montreal for him.
9: My approach through the summer has been, I want to run flash kits. Once I started doing that, I realized that looters and flash kits compete for the same resources in the orc book. Basically they compete for the Grot Shield. Bustas need protection, so that means I needed to get a battle wagon for them because just like the Luda's, they compete for a Grot Shield, but they at least have a different profile and they're really good against vehicles which are very common now. The other thing I've changed is I dropped boys from my list because I just kept finding they were the parts that weren't doing anything. I also played with Dakajets for a little while, but I just found that they were too fragile for their points. I would have to say the Flash Kits were my MVPs for the weekend. It's not exactly fair, because I basically took everything, or nearly everything, out of the list that wasn't Flash Kits, so yeah, of course they're good, but... They won the two matches that I needed them to win. Uh, they soloed 90 boys throughout my Orc game and then killed all of the characters in my game against my elf. Highlights for me, uh, round one, I got to use the tank bus to throw grenade stratagem on a big unit of ta- uh, big unit of custodies. Round two, uh, I had a very, very tough game against Chris Haynes and my... Highlight for that was getting to use, uh, for me it was getting to use the flash kits in a way that they're not usually used, which is close combat, and I've played a, as perfect as a game as I think I could reasonably expect. My one mistake was I had more than an inch gap on two grots um, in a 28-man unit. Everyone else was within an inch, but I forgot it on two of them. Um, so when that's the kind of mistake that I'm nitpicking by the end, that was a pretty good game, so that was that was definitely my highlight. For Sheer Damage, I can't help but mention Round 3, I got to use the Tank busta Grenade Strat, again, on 3 Caladiuses, kill all 3, Flash gets, plus a War Boss, killed a Crusader, and then the Sag mech killed half of a Shadow Sword, all in the bottom of Turn 1. The moment I was most worried about winning my game in the tournament in general is my beginning of my first game against Chris. I got turn one, I got my Gratz in position where I needed them to, and then I go to the psychic phase. I'm going to de-jump my SAG mech to snipe his war boss. It'll make it so the game's really easy. Double ones, reroll one into a one, perils on my weird boy, and don't get to de-jump, don't get to kill the war boss, and that was the start of my game. And that's the third tournament in a row I've started a game with that exact role. I'm getting real tired of that. Highlight of the top table, especially in my last game, was uh, my opponent coming up, shaking my hand. We talked a little bit, and then he went to go back to this last table to get his army, and his friends came up and said, please beat him. We have a three-hour drive. He's going to be unbearable. He he can't win the tournament. It'll be awful. Please just... I know he's our friend, but it's it's fine just don't take it easy on him
2: with friends like that anyway thanks a bunch for the inside pamps know that my love for you will never die let's get a bump tournament news
10: this is Danny, and this is john from the mob rules podcast and you're listening to 40k stat center with val and his pet falcon peter come oh, in
3: they got like a jaguar in there Well, next on the docket
2: this week... I think it's a cougar or a wildcat for the... Well,
3: did you know that a jaguar and a cougar are the exact same creature? There's a biology lesson for you, sir.
2: Isn't that a panther
3: and a jaguar? I think they're all the same. They're all just one big fucking, like, cat family. Anyway, next on the docket this week is the Harvester of Souls. For eight years now, Gamers Haven in Spokane, Washington, has been putting on semi-annual Warhammer GTs for every hipster, lumberjack, aspiring alternative artist... IT consultant, Starbucks employee, and all of the above that the state of Washington has been able to spit out. Reputed to be some of the best-run events that the West Coast has to offer, Bob Kelly, Dan Winters, and the rest of the Storm of Silence and Harvester teams have shown that they run a pretty tight ship.
2: Harvester is a bit unique in the wargaming world in that while it does utilize standard ITC champions' mission secondaries, it takes inspiration from the Ancient days of the Astronomicon events in Vancouver, and adds an additional spicy layer to the mix by having each and every table at the event include some silly custom primary mission objectives, tertiary objectives, and rules twists to shake things up.
3: Dan was kind enough to give us the full layout.
11: Hello, my name is Dan Winters, and I'm the organizer of the Harvester of Souls, the event took place in Spokane, Washington at uh, the Gamers Haven. Um, Spokane and our event is centrally located about five, six hours from Portland, uh, Seattle, Boise, uh, Missoula, Montana. We're also not too far from uh, various places in uh, in Canada and Okanagan area up there. So we get a good amount of players from all around, actually more out-of-towners than our locals actually attend, we get a lot of uh, the Pacific Northwest teams like uh, Legion, Northwest Mercs, uh, BC Battle Brothers, and, and other folks uh, out of Portland and other places, um, so the event takes place in a store uh, in, in Spokane called the Gamers Haven, it's been around forever, it's kind of a venerable Pacific Northwest institution. It's owned by Bob Kelly. He's hosted uh, the old Ard Boys, the regional f- um, semifinals, the GW circuit events there back when GW was doing that with Independence. Uh, currently has space for about 30 tables, so we've generally been capped at 60, and uh, every year we seem to get uh, right in there at that uh, 58 for an ITC major. So the names of the two events. It's a, kind of a play on the Eldar Phoenix Lords, but also you know, the season where the events take place. Uh, Storm is in the spring, and the Harvester is uh, in the fall. We were early adopters for ITC Circuit, and actually the Harvester was originally more of a standard tournament, a different, whatever that format, that was competitive at the time. Uh, that's what we did for both events, but partway through six, we decided that having an event that embraced that forge the narrative piece that uh, G.W. was pushing in six might be kind of fun, something different. So what we did is we adopted an idea that we actually, from an event that we attended quite a bit in uh, third and fourth called Astronomicon. Don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a series of events that some uh, gentlemen in Winnipeg, uh, Canada, uh, Christian and Mike, started uh, back, I think, in third, maybe second, I'm not sure. Edition, but they had this idea of having different uh, missions on every table, very crafted to terrain that they had and and whatnot. So, really liked that idea. So, kind of took that and ran with it, and uh, decided to have the harvester be more of that kind of not really friendly, but more of a, a hobby oriented uh, style event and uh, and focus on other things that. You maybe wouldn't see in uh, a standard uh, competitive event. So kept the uh, storm as that a competitive ITC event, and it's ran pretty much like an ITC event. And then harvesters kind of our um, alternate format. So this year, uh, we've generally Bob and I have been well, not generally always have been the the organizers. We get a lot of help from the community and other people have offered to come in and help in different ways. Um, this year, uh, Bob decided he wanted to actually play in the event. Um, kind of missed playing in Astronomicon and those other of other kind of events, so he went ahead and uh, put his hat in the ring to play. And so we reached out to uh, Mitch Pelham from uh, Best in Faction, and he uh, stepped in as the kind of head judge and co-organizer uh, with myself is more of the data entry guy and kind of the format runner. So we had, uh, you know, 2000 point uh, that runs very similar to ITC, just the only thing that's different is the missions. So the missions, they have a primary, secondary and tertiary uh, part to them. The primary is like 18 points. And it's entirely different board control uh, missions. It has some concepts like relic, but it also has progressive um, end game. Uh, runs the gamut. We have 30 different missions, 30 different tables, so very, a lot of variety there. Um, the secondary uh, this year we used uh, the champions secondary, so just the, tw- the standard 12.4 point, points for each secondary. You, know, you can pick your, your standard ones. Uh, we did keep engineers out of the uh, the mix there because actually our tertiary is a six point and it often has an engineer's component to it, but there's other things that we'll do like get, get folks into your enemy's deployment zone or um, just kill points or some of those kind of standard things that you might see in other events. But um, sometimes it's very narrative focused too. So there's a vast variety. We also have uh, battle zone and uh the mission twists from uh open play and narrative and whatnot just based on what the train is so one of the things i like to do it's a uh, takes place in a store and store trains always kind of varies either some of it's really nice kind of built more for aesthetic and so those train pieces sometimes don't have as much uh cover line of sight blocking so the mission may have a twist where it affects uh Uh, shooting uh, for those, you know, the negatives to shoot and hit did also make an effort to not let that stack with folks that already have those kind of uh, minuses. So there's an attempt at some balance, but it does uh, create some unbalanced games. Um, I think it's not uncommon for that to happen in any kind of mission format, but it's probably a little more um, common for us. So, so yeah, I want to take a moment to thank our attendees for showing up and then also congrats to our best overall winner, Uh, Cody Morris from BC Battle Brothers took that top spot in the overall. Best general was uh, JP Mowat of the uh, 40k competitive Facebook fame. It had uh, best sportsman was Ben Schmoller, T Shift TO. And best uh, appearance was Carl Payne. And favorite army was uh, Ben's lovely wife, uh, Jessica Schmoller, took um, the favorite army votes there. Um, So yeah, it was a good event. And just a quick plug we've got. Our next event coming up in the spring, uh, Storm of Silence, probably in May. And we've also got, uh, Mitch has got, and Colin has got their uh, Charity Hammer coming up too. So I just want to make sure in January, folks are looking out for that. So uh, thanks for reaching out. Appreciate the time.
2: This year, Harvester's final would be an interesting one as J.P. El Matador, Craft Craftworld Eldar, would face off against Matt the Magus Evans, forces of the hive mind. Now, why don't I just tempt this bull and grab it by the horns. J.P. Mowitz, Harvester of Soulless coming at you here. He had an Autark Skyrunner, not an Tark Falcon, with a Banshee Mask, Fusion Gun, Laser Lance, Twin Sh- Shuriken Catapult, and the Shimmer Plume of Acreol. That's hilarious. Another Autark... A Akilreol. Another Autark Skyrunner um, uh, with a uh, Banshee Mask uh, and some other stuff. Uh, three units Five Rangers, a uh, unit of Dark Reapers... Five of them, and the uh, and a Dark Reaper Exarch with the Tempest la- Launcher, a Wave Serpent. He had a Air Wing Detachment. This one is also Craft Worlds. It was two Crimson hu- Hunters and two Hemlock Wraith Fighters. And then he had an Outrider Detachment. Uh, this one also Craft Worlds. Farsire's, Farseer Skyrunner. Um, and three sorry two units of Swooping Hawks and a unit of nine... Count them nine, Scat Bikes.
3: Yep, yep. And then Matt Evans, he ran a Gene Stealer Cults Battalion that was Cult of the Four-Armed Emperor, the Deliverance Rude Surge Specialist Detachment. In that, he had an Acolyte Icon Ward, a Magus and a Primus. He then had in his troop slots a squad of 15 Acolyte Hybrids with six saws, a squad of six Acolyte Hybrids, just old plain Jane and then another squad of uh, 15 uh, Saw hybrids he in his elite slot he had a clamavis he then had a kraken uh Tyranid battalion with a malanthrope the swarm lord one squad of 18 gene stealers another squad of 17 gene stealers and a squad of 3 ripper swarms and he topped it all off with a brood brothers battalion with two tank commanders uh one with a Demolisher Siege Cannon for his turret, the other with a Battle Cannon, Plasma Cannon Sponsons on those, and then three squads of ten of the Brood Brothers Infantry Squads.
2: A true force of the Hive Mind. He went uh, he went for the triple on that
3: one. He did. He took a little bit of Evertang. Just a
2: pinch of spice from everything nice.
3: Yep. Now, his list, um, no Flamers, no big flamer Bomb like you pretty much consistently see these days from the Gene Steelers. He went full-on rock saws. Um, I think the most interesting thing in this matchup is really, he's got to ignore those four flyers unless his tank commanders do the work, um, because he's got
2: nothing that can fly up and, uh, touch something. Yeah, and those tanks probably aren't lasting too long against those four flyers either.
3: No, theoretically not. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting matchup there, um. In my mind, it's a matchup that favors JP. But that being said, um, Matt Evans is a pretty uh, feisty fellow. I've seen him perform super well with these nid uh, lists. So, it, I mean, I'm quite sure that uh, he, he made him work for it. In the end, though, JP would end up coming out on top, crushing Matt's insectophilic forces in fine fashion. Um, let's listen to Comp40K's resident hobo admin as he waxes poetic about the event and, the, and uh, his performance.
10: Hey, this is John Paul here, and I just got done with Harvester last weekend. Probably my favorite yearly tournament, that in Storm of Silence over at Gamer Haven in Spokane. Bob runs, in my opinion, the best tournaments around, and it's always fun. Always the best guys are there, or the coolest guys, I should say. and Everybody has a blast. Um, I brought just straight late talk with planning to get best Eldari there. Uh, the list is pretty simple, straightforward. Two Crimson Hunter Exarchs, two Hemlocks, two Swooping Hawks, nine Scatterbikes, six Reapers, a Wave Serpent, two Autarchs, Farseer, I think that's it, and some Rangers. <coughs> Nothing too fancy. There's my dogs, they get to say hi too. The MVP of the list easily are the two Autarchs. Uh, Putting the Reaper Launcher and Mark of the Hunter, combined with the Rangers, uh, caught a lot of people by surprise, um, and forced enemy characters to hide, which was convenient. Uh, The Dark Reapers actually were really, really relevant. Uh, Apparently, shooting at Centurions, when you can only win them on a 4+, is great when you have a Strength 5, AP 2, 2 damage weapon. A couple of those go through and the Centurion dies. And that's specifically why I put them in there too, for Doom, Jinx, Kill Centurions. Uh, the airplanes are airplanes, they do, they do, nothing fancy there. Uh, but the Autarchs ran around assaulting, shooting, being a nuisance, taking objectives away from squads. They were amazing. Some of the highlights for me was I specifically built this list to try to counter some of the new stuff I saw coming in the um, Spaceman products. This was the first tournament I've been with the new Cortex in effect, and I end up hitting three space marines. Um, the third one I hit was actually a list that I'm basing, a list that I'm building off of now, which was Centur- the Centurion bomb, two Vanguard squads, a bunch of characters, and a bunch of troop squads. And I think I'm going to do something like that, but I really, really like the way the Centurions work, even though I built my list to counter them. I think that's going to be something to look forward to in the future. But overall, the tournament was great. All the people I played against were super nice, super fun to play against. Uh, Last game was against Team Tyranids, which fortunately I have played against so many times. And I got some... I got real lucky a few times. Like I overwatched some Gene Steelers and killed like six or seven of them with my eight bikes. And I... A few times killed his Lehman Russes a little bit too easily, um, but it was overall a great tournament. The missions were f- refreshing and fun and I'm definitely going to be there for his next one.
2: And there we have it. Another one in the books. Let's get to that bump.
1: Tournament news.
3: Hi, I'm Chris from Canhammer, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center. Life got you down. Sad that circumstances forced you to abort your carefully laid Nova plans at the last second? Sick of pushing around 90 grats and grinding every single round of a GT for three unrelenting hours? Then why not grab a Taudar and a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. drones and swing on down to the 40K Classic at the Sword and Brush?
2: Located in picturesque Burlington, Ontario, just minutes from... The overpass of the QEW, the Sword and Brush started as a convention of genteel hobbyists admiring brushstrokes and color wheels. These days, it's a punch-you-in-the-dick ITC tournament slugfest. But also, still a really sweet painting competition and showcase. Seriously, the stuff on display was really pretty.
3: The Sword and Brush will be looking to expand next year even more. It already contains a number of likely excellent games that no one cares about. But you know what people really care about?
2: Dick punching. So, to that effect, they did an outstanding job with excellent tables and line of sight blocking, but not how much line of sight blocking. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying my tuna punched a lot of dicks. But ultimately, in the fourth round, my dick was punched harder by Cody Brown, proprietor of the Hooded Goblin in Georgetown, Ontario, and worshiper of the Lord of Change. Standing on the shoulders of my vanquished Townar, he reached the rarefied air of the top table. Hit him with the list, Birdman.
3: Sure, Tang. So, Cody here, he had a Thousand Suns Battalion with a Sorcerer in Terminator armor, a second Sorcerer in Terminator armor, a squad of five Rubrik Marines, a squad of 25 Zangors with Zangor Blades, a second squad of 25 Zangors with those Zangor Blades, a Hellforge Contemptor Dreadnought with two-time CB cannons, a Zangor Shaman, He then had a Chaos Demons Battalion of the Undivided Variety with a Changecaster, a Lord of Change, 23 Pink Horrors, two squads of 10 Brimstone Horrors. And then he rounded it all off with a Supreme Command Detachment of that Thousand Suns Variety with Ahriman and two Demon Princes of Zange.
2: Now, uh... I, I mean I don't want to I mean Cody would probably agree with me I think we were both a little bit surprised to be kind of squaring off for for a chance at the at the championship here. Uh, As you
3: should be, you're a terrible player.
2: I'm awful. I'm awful, and frankly, so and you're one of the worst. I mean, I mean, I don't know about that, but what I mean by that is like neither of us were playing like real real shit stompers, and a lot of the other like actual players uh, like Scary had already lost that day. Um, and there were some other good players that I'm blanking on. Anyway, like, we shouldn't have been there. And Devin loses on the top table next to us. So Devin Swan, of course, running the crazy mech list. Anyway, so I think we were flying a little close to the sun is what I'm trying to say here. So, I believe you. And so why don't, we, why don't we let Cody talk to that fact and also talk about his, his neat list. Zangors over Bears. Go him crazy.
0: Why I go Zangors instead of Plaguebearers is a couple reasons. One, again, I like playing aggressively. I like controlling uh, the flow and the how and where battles are going to take place during the game. Zangors let me do that. They fill a similar role to Plaguebearers, but then they're also kind of like Bloodletters. So it's a two for one. Uh, Then you get some really amazing stratagems with them to fight again cheaply uh, and to give them plus one to wound. So they can actually do some work on things like tanks and high armor targets. I use them to take down a knight, for instance, in uh, in one of my games. Uh, so they can do they can do a lot of good work. Um, they're not as well suited as plague bearers for being a screen, and they're not quite as good as Bloodletters for getting a charge off, but they're kind of an in-between model that also lets me use uh, the different Thousand Sun psychic powers, and it matches my army's theme, which is always a bonus. The Lord of Change is probably the unit I get asked about most, about why it's in my list, and... What do I do when I run it? Now, I don't have plague bearers in my list, so I do need a really good hardy screen. And for about 30 points more than a squad of 30 plague bearers, I get a 7 toughness, 16 wound model with when you stack the right gear and warlord traits, he has a 3 up invulnerable save and is 1 from all damage he takes. So against a lot of lists like Dark Elder that have 2 damage weapons, he's going to be up for a long portion of the game. Uh, And if even with 3 damage weapons against uh, Helverns in one of my matches, he was actually excellent. So he sort of just sits there and fulfills my Plague Bearer role. uh, And gives my opponent something to target that isn't my Zangors. Because my Zangors, turn 1, are usually along the table edge in my zone. So they don't get shot so I can Dark Metal Crystal them. And then my Lord of Change is doing his best to try and not die that first turn. My MVP unit for the whole tournament was, was the Lord of Change. In every game that I did really well, he was up for about three turns, tanking the entire army's shooting. He's able to take just about anything on. The only thing that he really struggles with is lots and lots and lots of shots that wound on twos, like Death Watch in my first match. Um, so, But overall, he was just absolutely excellent in fulfilling his role to not only um, tank and, and screen, But then to also apply pressure because he moves up 12, advances, and then just drops crazy psychic powers with his plus 2 ability if he's not bracketed yet. Which in a lot of games he doesn't get bracketed that first turn. So he does, he gives me positioning. He's also a character for a lot of the ITC missions that they they care about. And then he just does a fantastic job in a lot of facets of the game. And he also carries a thunder hammer. And he did great the whole tournament. My uh, my highlight of the tournament though was uh, being the only person to bring down the Heffel. And take down that townar. So, uh, hashtag Dell with it. And thank you guys. Keep with the great work. Love the podcast. And hopefully see you guys at more tournaments. Take care. On
2: the other side of things was mild-mannered Jonathan Mitchner, who, tired of being punched in the dick, has been using giant dick-punching robots. A lot of, of late. Here's what he was running. So Jonathan Michner
3: was running a astro battalion with a Pokeball assassin, the Katachin Regiment Doctrine, in that he had two company commanders, one, two, three, four infantry squads, a th- two basilisks, one, two squads of uh, heavy mortar, uh, sorry, not heavy mortar, just regular mortar uh, weapon teams. He then had a housecraft uh, Imperial Knights super heavy detachment with three night crusaders and that's it just big old stompy robots backed up by a bunch of men in tanks with line of sight shooty stuff
2: yeah 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 i'm uh well i'm sad about it
3: yeah i think you would have wrecked his day pretty much pretty much you were this close You were this close. You could have won your first GT.
2: And only. that that Literally me being sad about this is the closest I will ever be to winning a GT. (laughs) So why don't we hear Jonathan, who's clearly not sad, and this isn't about me. It's about him and his gigantic dick-punching robots. And uh, he's actually well-spoken, a nice guy, and uh, I, I wish him all the happiness in the world.
12: So my list was kind of just a like a natural evolution from, it's kind of been working on it for the last few months, the last few events. Um, it originally started off with only two Crusaders and a Gallant, um, and then I kind of bounced around with a few different ideas of what I was going to play for the rest of the list. Um, for a while, I was running Supreme Command with uh, some Grey Knight characters to try and take on the the chaos matchup but i never really found i was getting many chaos matchups i'd only get like one one maybe two per event um so i ended up i saw a similar list to what i played today at capital city bloodbath when i was there last month so i decided to go for that and uh the the three crusaders definitely provide a more consistent game than two and a gallant the gallant if it ends up being the last night alive people can avoid it too easily so so yeah the MVP unit for the event was probably. I mean, the obvious answer is one of the three Crusaders. Crusaders, everyone knows what they do. They kill things, they do it really well. Um, but kind of the more. the less obvious choice, probably the, the Basilisks, actually. They were a new addition to the list. Um, but because the Knights are obviously the bigger threat, everyone focuses them down first. So being able to. in turn five and six when the Knights are dead, typically. Um, Having those two basilisks just sitting in the back, being able to finish off priority targets, or, or even throughout the game finishing out doing the last few wounds to to tanks or other knights, stuff like that. They definitely they definitely come in clutch, and even the guard themselves. Um, I think every game, the two guard squads got me full max points on engineers, so they all they always come in clutch, very
3: consistent. Surely someone with the chops to beat Ol' Hef in uh, round four would be the ultimate victor. However, why don't we go to the tape and find out just how things played out in that final round.
0: Uh, I did manage to get this list to the top table to battle for firsts tournament, which was a first for me, uh, and I was really excited about that, but I was also really nervous, and a uh, big shout-out to my opponent that, that game. Uh, he was an absolute gentleman. Uh, I had done some silly things, like I forgot to... I had taken my Zangros off the side of the table and had measured out where to put them on from a Dark Matter crystal and then went to my Psychic phase and forgot. And he was nice and let me go back and put them put them on the table and he was just patient with me because I was a bit of a mess. Um, but other than that, uh, I think my biggest mistake was I was just not playing the pos- positioning game correctly uh, that game and I had put some units out of position which really cost me badly. For example... Uh, both of my demon princes, I had gotten a little wrapped up in trying to get the bonus objective, and I used their movement to um, to get onto those objectives. And I had, and I'm used to playing against knight players that don't just run your knights at at your opponent. And I was a little, I wasn't ready for the stompy happy feet from the crass knights, and they just did enough shooting. I took off the wrong zangra model, so I was able to get through my screen and get to my demon princes. And it just went all downhill from there once my demon princes were dead because I lost a targetable smite, my smite, my warp time, and and it's just it was just really bad once those guys died. Those guys are the key to the army, and often what Vessel always says is, You don't want them getting into combat until turn four and five. They are so important and so squishy. And I just made a huge mistake with them, and it, it really just cost me the game.
12: Last game was fantastic. Uh Cody was a Cody was an amazing opponent. Probably Probably the most fun game of the event, actually. Um, he's a great, great opponent all around. Um, highlight of that game, possibly the Vindicare. Vindicare I'd, been, I'd used in two games in the event. Um, he's pretty lackluster. Anyone who plays Vindicare knows that more often than not, you roll a one to hit. Of course, his one shot hitting on twos. Um, but in this game, finally came out clutch. I had left the Beam Contemptor on two wounds. Vindicare came in with that clutch shot. Did the last two wounds, finished him off, which helped protect the Basilisk for the rest of the game. Um, another honorable mention for MVP would be the uh, Imperial Knight Stratagem for five-up Ignore Mortal Wounds against a full Thousand Sons army. Definitely dished a lot of Mortal Wounds. Probably saved a knight from dying turn one.
2: Cody lost. Now that's change I can believe in. Tournament news. I'm Stephen Ford, a.k.a. Juice from
3: Team Battle Brothers Podcast, and you're listening to 40K Stat Center awesome thanks juice so that's it really for our show sorry folks for those of you that were hoping to catch sorry. some clips from the battle in the bush major that happened last week unfortunately we've only been able to get clips from one of the uh players we're still hoping those come through but it's getting a little late in that game
2: and um, uh, also i mean the only clip we received was just the sound of someone screaming as a venomous animal killed them
3: it Yes, that is 100% true, as is the case with the majority of the Australian event
2: clips that we get. It's awful to listen to, actually.
3: Anyway, that being said, uh, there were four other events that happened this weekend that we're not going to cover in full, but we do want to at least let you know uh, what actually went down. Uh, First off was Twisted Onslaught. It was a 30-plus player GT that happened over in the UK, ITC Championship Missions. It was actually won by Simon Pritis. He was running Tau with, I believe, six broadsides, a couple riptides, a few piranhas of all things. Uh, Quite the interesting list. You can always check that out on BCP or at 40kstats.com. Simon's actually going to be at the uh, LGT uh, Invitational this coming Friday as well.
2: Yeah, And that tournament run by Ace Face, and they do uh, the Twisted Dice uh, channel on YouTube. So I'm sure you can check it out there for some content about the event.
3: Yeah, quite, uh, quite awesome fellows there. Um, then there was the Power Nine Games event that happened, uh, I believe in Arizona, may have been Las Vegas. Hard to say, all those guys mixed together now. They make some kind of weird melange. Anyway, that one ended up coming down to Daniel Olivas running his, in uh, our Slash Drukari uh, slash a little bit of Craft World, uh, beating uh, Thomas Hegstromoki with his uh, once again mono faction Blood Angels, the ones he uh, went five and zero with at uh, Major earlier this year. Yeah, but so he's, top...
2: he's, he's got an extra attack now. So I mean, it's not that big of a deal.
3: Yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah, he, did, he got a big buff from that. I guess. I guess you're right. Um, then there was Battle
2: Zone Ursa, which was
3: won by Jason Ryder, who went undefeated with uh, Ultramarine Space Marines. And uh, Danny McDevitt came in second from Mob Rules. He also ran the Ultramarines. However, he did them as um, Red Scorpions. He had Carib Cone the Risen. He had four Leviathan Dreadnoughts in that list because of Carib Cone. Quite the lists. uh, One thing that's been brought up to me and everyone should note, uh, Jason's list does look like it's uh, illegal because he did have... (gasps) Cronus in his list in a whirlwind Scorpius um with no other elite slot in that they oh, they don't uh, they don't
2: know about it they don't know about the 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 relic Scorpius chronos oh,
3: anyway well they knew about that they just re- didn't realize that he had to have that elite i believe in this same detachment that being said um he did have elites in another detachment that he didn't need to have so he could have easily just you know swapped them around so whatever it doesn't matter it's just a formatting thing more than anything
2: Water so don't worry bridge. about it
3: folks Yeah, people that are sending me messages like, "Oh my god, don't calm down, it's okay." And uh, lastly, uh, the LWG Summer Slaughter, Summer Slam Slaughter. There's been so many Summer Slaughters, guys. I need to take a second and say, like, come up with some fucking, some 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 better names for your GTS because Summer Slaughter is done. I think I've recorded four of them and had to come up with other names for them. Just something else. Some anyway. Joe Malem, a uh, well-known Drukhari player over in the UK. Uh, he would end up beating uh, Janus China in the final. Now, um, as a man freaking,
2: with a fake name, uh, Janus China. Do we think? Uh, listen, what are the odds on this one?
3: Um, I'm going to say 70-30. <laughs> 70-30. That it's a real name, real not name. a fake name. Yeah, 70-30 on the real name. Falcon it's, takes the over. It's just I'm going to take the over on this one. Uh, That being said, Joe won with a majority uh, Drukhari list. He did have some of them uh, Harlequins uh, backing him up with the Skyweaver jet bikes. Um, Overall, yeah, it was an awesome week for Warhammer, as we said at the opening of the show. Eight events. I'm still catching up on 40kstats.com to get all the stats in from those. I should hopefully have them done by the end of the week. Just in time to start taking down stats for the LGT. Uh, Yeah, I got nothing much else to say. What about you, Val?
2: Nothing much else to say. It was a lot of fun this week. Got to actually play some games. Uh, one day you might too, man.
3: I'm hoping that someday I'll actually learn how to play this game we call Warhammer.
2: Well, can't say I did that, but I did move some models around. It was a great time, and it was a great, great show, I think, recounting the exploits of all the actually good players out there in the world this week. And uh can't wait to do it again. So, uh, yeah. Bye-bye.
1: This has been 40K Stats Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stats Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and Competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP.
5: bleu, 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 Brrr.